Can I lose my salvation? Where was God during the Holocaust? What is my purpose? Well, hello again. First, let me put your fears aside. I'm not preaching. That's a good... I'll sing to you, but I'm not, I'm not going to preach. Uh, most of you who are parents understand that when you become a parent, you lose your identity, and your identity changes to, this is now Kate's dad, and he actually has a first name. Yeah. <laughs> This is Aaron. Uh, I'm here today. Um, we just want to kind of get an update. Over the last few days, uh, Kate's story has changed a bit. And so we just want Aaron to kind of give us an update uh, of what's happening and just kind of tell us where you are now. Sure. So for, for those of you who may not know, about 20 months ago or so, uh, our middle daughter, Kate, was diagnosed with a brain tumor that turned out to be highly, highly aggressive form of cancer. Uh, we fought it for many, many months uh, very aggressively. Um, I don't know, six, eight months ago, whatever, she got a, a few good scans in a row, so we were hopeful and felt like we were making good progress. Um, three and a half weeks ago, we got a really bad scan, and the MRI revealed that there were two new spots that were now on the right side of her brain. Um, a week later, which would be two and a half weeks ago, uh, another scan, a PET scan, revealed that those two spots um, are most likely cancerous spots. And so it's absolutely devastating news that uh, we knew if this came back, it was bad. And so it's bad. And so we're at a part, point now where we've uh, been talking through options, and there's horrible option after horrible option after horrible option. Um, decide what to do. Yeah, so we've talked. I know you've got some decisions to make, and you're not sure exactly what all those are, but if you could tell us what the next few days and weeks are possibly going to look like, so as we pray, we can be able to pray very specifically for you. Yeah, so we've, we've talked to doctors all over the country. We've talked to traditional-type doctors, non-traditional-type doctors and other people, and um, we've looked at tons of alternative treatments and everything. Uh, what we've decided, and this sort of became official late Thursday, uh, we're going to take Kate back to MD Anderson Hospital in Houston where she's already had some radiation done, and uh, we're leaving Tuesday. She'll start Wednesday. Uh, we'll go through a series of tests. She will Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, if everything's okay, if it hasn't progressed any more than um, it had, then the following Monday we'll start radiation. Um, That'll be a probably five or six week process. Um, probably I'll be there the whole time. Uh, last time she was in Houston, I traveled back and forth. Um, but this time I'll probably be there the whole time. And we'll bring the other two kids out there when we can. But that's five or six weeks out. And then after that, we don't know. We'll reevaluate at that point where we are. Did it work? Is it helping? Bad option after bad option. And that's the reason we wanted to kind of do this today, is to kind of keep you informed of what's, what's happening so we can continue to pray as we already have been praying. 
But I also want to kind of um, ask you to do this for us too. You know, there's 5,000 of us that really, really care about what's going on here. And if each one of us contacted the McCrae's, you can see the impact on their lives. It would just be crazy. And as Aaron um, is around um, during the weeks, as you see him coming on campus, stopping him and asking him the question that he has to answer every time for hundreds of us, again, is a, it's very difficult for them. So I'm asking if we could, as a church, just kind of give them their space. Now, what, what we'll promise to you is that we will keep you informed on everything that's happening so that you can continue to pray as you already have been. Um, we'll, on his blog, he's going to be doing that. If we need to do it through an email blast or whatever, we just want you to know that we will keep you attuned to what's, what's happening in Kate's life, okay? What we want to do now, though, is, is stand and continue our prayer for the McRae. So let's, let's just stand as we pray for the kids, Kate, Holly, um, and Aaron in the next weeks and months that, that, pers- that come in the future. Let's pray. God, we uh, know that you are a God who understood what was happening with Kate before it happened. And you n- understand what's happening now. And God, you already see what's going to happen in the future. God, knowing that, we understand that you're in control. You understand the situation and can take care of the situation. And so, God, we, we pray for doctors, uh, men and women who are, are now in the process of making decisions about what needs to happen with Kate and her treatment and their wisdom, God. I pray that you would give them wisdom that is even shocking to them, that you'd give them the, the knowledge they need to be able to make right choices, that you would be with um, Holly and, and Aaron as just give them strength, God, to be able to do the things that they need to do now um, and changing their schedule and being there for Kate and for the brother and the sister, God, giving them understanding in their young years uh, to what's happening in this situation. But God, um, you've asked us to petition you, and so God, I'm going to pray very boldly. We're praying that you heal Kate, God, that you reach down and touch her body and just heal her um, so that, um, God, if this is so that you become more famous, God, that I pray that this uh, would happen. God, we don't know what else to pray because um, we don't understand, but God, you do. And we thank you for being on top of everything that's happening in this with Kate. And we give you honor and glory ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So today we, uh, Aaron is uh, speaking question number two. And as you hear what the question is, it's a very, very timely question. And um, we just thank you for your prayers and as we continue over the next few weeks and months to pray for Kate and Aaron and Holly. Thanks. Thank you. I did want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for the prayers um, of God's people. Thank you for my church, our church, that has loved on us and prayed for us and cared for us. And um, we are incredibly grateful. And when all this first went down and she was first diagnosed, I, I had a conversation with Lynn that basically um, he just said, you take care of your family. You do whatever 
that means to take care of your family. And at that point, um, I was at a place where I could go take care of them, but I, I, I still needed a release, so I still came to the office occasionally. There's a lot of flexibility, a lot of freedom. Um, I sat down with him this past week, with Pastor Lynn, that is, and just said, honestly, I, I don't know where we're at. It's, it's not good um, unless God intervenes. It's not good. And, and I tried to gently ask, like, like, what are you expecting of me right now during this season as, as gently as I could ask? And he came back and his, here's my expectation of you. I expect you to take care of your daughter, to take care of your wife. I expect you to take care of your family. Go do that. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of our family, publicly to Pastor Lynn, to the elders, and to this church. Uh, that's exactly what I intend to do. And so I won't be around for a while right now. Um, and that's why I'm so glad to be here today. I, I long to be with you guys, but I'm going to be taking care of my family for a while now. And we're not exactly sure what that means. We know what the next short little season means. And so um, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, just grateful, over, overwhelmed and grateful. So I'll try to hold it together the rest of, of this time. And um, I'm, I'm addressing a second question in this series. You asked for it and just wanted to say you guys asked some great, great questions as, as we gave you the opportunity to, to do that and to figure out what you wanted uh, us to address. There were some great questions. And the question that I'm going to be talking about today is this. Um, it was the second most popular question on our poll that we gave you guys does God really know every choice we will make, or does he give us free will instead? Like I said, great, great question. This is a question that has been debated, and there's different people who come down on different sides. It's a, a question with many different levels. It's, it's a question that's been asked for hundreds, and I mean even thousands and thousands of years. This question has been asked. Does God really know everything, or does God give us free will, and how does that work out? And there's great, great Christian thinkers who land on both sides of this, some that, that come and they say, no, everything's determined, God knows everything. There's others who land way on, on an end that say, no, everything's up to free will, and they've debated this, and they've went back and forth for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They've said, it's this, it's this, it's this. So I just decided today in the next 30 minutes or so, I'll solve it for us. Just kidding. Just, I mean, how could I even come close to that? So what I'm going to attempt to do is a high-level pass to say, here's how the Bible addresses this. Here's some general ideas of what you've got to, you've got to know these nuggets, that this is what the Bible says clearly. It's not going to answer all of your questions. Some of you are going to walk away from here, and, and you're not going to be satisfied because you want to go deeper, and you wish we could do a 10-week series to answer this question. And, and even in that, you'd still have questions. And others of you, you're, you're going to walk away, and you may not be satisfied because the answer is not what you wanted it to be. You're like, I'm not sure I like what the Bible says. Or, or some of you would, would, would just say, you know what? I don't understand it, and I want to understand it. And it's still a little bit of a mystery to me. And the Bible is full of mysteries. God's ways are not our ways, the Bible says. And for us to think that we're going to understand every aspect of God, hmm, is that possible? Some of you are going to walk away today and, and you're going to feel like you've been set free. You've been carrying the weight of the world as if everything depends on you. And hopefully you'll walk away free. Um, 
A few weeks ago, or actually last Saturday, I'm sorry, last Saturday, my, my son and I um, were talking about what we were going to do. I guess he had been good for five minutes, so I let him choose what he was going to do. What do you want to do today, Will? And he said, I want to watch a movie. I'm like, okay, um, well, let's go to Blockbuster and we'll pick out a movie. And so I was like, do you have any idea what kind of movie you want to watch? And he surprised me. He said, yeah, I want to watch Star Wars, the real one. And I'm like, really? Not like the cartoon version. He's five years old. He's like, oh, Star Wars, the real one. So we go to Blockbuster. Where's your Star Wars section? We go right to it. And I'm not a Star Wars. I mean, I like it, but I'm not one of those. I have the outfits in my room kind of guy. Um, so we go there and I'm like, it makes sense. Start with number one. Okay. Start with the first one, even though it came out after some of the other ones. Start at number one. So we start watching it and pretty soon he's like, whoa, hey, dad, where's Dark Vader? Like, hey, Will, it's Darth Vader. Oh, okay, okay, okay. A little bit later, where's Darth Vader? I don't see him. Like, it's Darth Vader. Hey, hey, Dad, when are they going to get the um, lightsabers? <laughs> it's a lightsaber, son. Oh, okay, okay. So he starts asking me these questions like, how's Dark Vader going to come in? And where is he at? And why is it not all working out? And who's this Anakin Skywalker guy? And how's it all? And I'm honestly like a... Uh, but but I'm, I'm trying to explain the best of my Star Wars ability can. And he pretty much looks at me after a few minutes and he says, Dad, I don't get it. <laughs> and I was like, that's okay, son. I don't get it either. Let's just watch the movie. So pretty soon he's doing exactly that. He jumps up and he's fighting and he's doing all this stuff and he's engaged in the movie. And I, and I sat back and I just sort of smiled and I thought, you know, he's got all these questions. He's got, he's got all these things he's trying to figure out. And I did not give him any answers that really helped him understand on a deeper level, but it didn't stop him from enjoying every minute of it. It didn't stop him from living it out. I mean, he was living it out. He thought he was in the fight scene. And, and my goal today is not to answer all your questions. I can't do that. I can't. But I hope I can give you a glimpse, and I hope that the Scriptures will give you a glimpse, and you will be encouraged, and you will be challenged, and you will be filled with hope of who God is and what God is doing. Let me reread the question for you to set the context. Does God really know every choice we will make or does he give us free will instead? There, there's really two extremes and two, two things that are going on here. Let's break it down. The, the first, question is, is basic, first part of the question is basically this. Is everything in our world already fixed? Is it fixed? Is it determined? Does God know every single thing that's always going to happen? And, and really, it doesn't matter what we do. It's all fixed anyway. Maybe you can remember back to high school English class. And this is probably most famous in Oedipus the King. Remember that? Delphic Oracle speaks and says, Hey, Oedipus, you are going to kill your... Or, talking about and prophesying. You're going to kill your father and marry your mother. What? So Oedipus hears about this as he's going on through his life, and he doesn't really like the future that's in store for them. So he does everything in his power to not kill his father and to not marry his mother. But fate is at work, according to Sophocles. Oedipus really doesn't have a choice. So in the end, fate wins out. Our choices don't really matter. So in the end, Oedipus does indeed kill his father and marry his mother because it was fate. It's fixed anyway. And Sophocles is basically saying, so why argue? Why, why try any harder? Just let fate be fate. On the other hand, you have this idea that we're free. We are free to choose, do whatever we want to do. 
We can create our own future, create our destiny. It's all up to us. Make the decisions. Do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. It's made popular in the Oscar-winning series of movies, Back to the Future. Maybe not Oscar-winning, but if you remember that, you you would remember this idea of of going back in time and, and, and making things right and doing things over if they're wrong. But at the end of the trilogy of Back to the Future movies with Marty McFly and all these guys, Doc Brown comes on the scene and he says this, Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Your future is whatever you make it. It's all up to you, so make it a good one. And there's something within us and in our society here in the United States of America that we resonate with that because it's full of hope. It's full of potential and possibility. And we think, yeah, I like that. I'm in charge of my destiny. I am the master of my own fate. I can do whatever I want to do. I can be whatever I want to be. And we resonate with that. Yet if we're honest, we realize it's not entirely true, right? I mean, how many of you today... You're, you're grown up, and you're exactly who you wanted to be when you dreamed as a little child. I mean, if, if I could be the master of my own fate and do anything that I wanted to do, I would not be here talking to you this morning. I would be dressed in my NBA uniform, suiting up for the, the afternoon game. That's what, I mean, if I could control my destiny when I was young and thought, this is what I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to do, I wouldn't be a preacher. I would be a basketball player. I spent years and years of my life going after that dream, hours and hours a day and hours and hours a week pursuing after that dream. And it took me some while because I guess I'm thick-headed to realize there's a few problems going on. Number one, I'm too short. And then I'm too white. Which means I just can't jump. And then I'm too slow. And so I tried and I tried and I tried and I, I with all my effort, went for this goal. But then I just realized I... I, I I don't have what it takes. I'm too short. I'm too wide. I'm too slow. I can't do it. I can't just say, hey, I want to do this. Boop, it happens. When we ask this question, we've got to be careful of something. When we ask this question, we've got to be careful not to bring our assumptions into the question. The assumption as the question is asked is this. It's an either-or proposition. The assumption is either God knows every choice that we're going to make, or we have free will. And the way the question's asked is, they, they, can't, they can't both be true. They're seen as opposites. They're seen as contradictory of one another. They're seen as antithetical. But let's just use a different word, and let's say, what if they were more like a paradox than a contradiction? A, a paradox is described as this. A statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet is perhaps true. What if the idea is not, this is an either-or kind of thing. What if it's both? What if I had to say, the question is this, does God really know every choice we will make or does he give us free will? And the answer is this, yes, Okay, let's pack up, let's pray, let's go home. Yes, it's, it's that. It's, yes, God knows every choice we're going to make according to the Bible. He already knows. He's sovereign. He's in control. And, yes, he gives us the free will to choose and to decide on our own. We're fully free, fully responsible. If you have a Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 16. 
and we'll look at a few verses in this passage as, as well as other places, that, that, that repeat and echo this idea that it's not either or. It's not either God knows or we're free. It's no, no, at the same time, God knows and God is in control and God is sovereign. And at the same time, we are free to choose. God gives us the freedom and the responsibility to choose. Proverbs 16, verse 1. The Bible says, To man belongs, belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Humans have free will. Here's one example of it. To man belong the plans of the heart. You, in your heart, in your, in your mind, in your motivations that you have deep within you, you have dreams, you have plans, you have things that you want to do. And when you're young, you see this, and your, your dreams are, are limitless, what you want to be, what you want to accomplish. But even now, you have these things in your heart that you, you desire, that you want to come to fruition. In a heart, you plan in your heart you have these ideas. I mean, some of you, you, you have these dreams. You want to make a difference in the world. You want your life to count. You want to impact this world and leave it different than when you came. Some of you, your, your dreams are a little more simple. You just want to get married. And some of you ladies, you're like, man, I just want to find a husband. And I've got a plan to find a husband. In fact, I've got a plan. And on this one, there's the top 10 list of qualities I want in my man. And then here's the application I want him to fill out. And, and so you're going around, you're like, I've got a plan. I just need the guy to fit the plan. But then every time you go on a date, you're like, hey, excuse me, do you fit all of these top 10 qualities? Here's the application. Please fill this out. And your plan's not really working. Because there's a difference between you having a plan and it coming to fruition. But we have plans. And that's a God-given thing. And we should rejoice and we should be good stewards. And we should dream big and make great plans. And we should use the wisdom and the knowledge that God gives us. And as we seek him and to know him and how he wants us to live, make good plans. Look at the next part of this verse. It says, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. At the same time, your heart is planning its ways. The Lord gives the response. Now, that's an interesting word, a phrase in Hebrew. Comes the reply of the tongue. It's an interesting phrase, and we can understand it better, I think, in verse 4. So look at Proverbs 16, verse 4. The very first part of that verse says this. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. That's the same phrase. The phrase in verse 1 um, comes the reply of the tongue, and the phrase in verse 14, everything for his own ends, those are the same phrase in the Hebrew. And this is what it says. As you are busy planning and dreaming and coming up with a, 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 an agenda for your life, just as you're supposed to do, you are 100% free and responsible to do that. And at the same time, God is in control and God is sovereign. So as you're making your plans... They are the fulfillment of God's will coming to fruition in your life. I, I cannot express to you in this season of our life what a comfort that's been. When we don't have answers and we don't have clear direction and it feels like everything is out of control, the reality that even in the midst of, of my life when I just don't know what to do, that God is still in control. And I, I'm reading through the Bible, and my reading a few weeks ago took me through the book of Job. 
And you don't have to turn here, but in Job, um, there's this story that I resonate with right now. Um, His story is worse than mine, but I still resonate with it. He's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his fortune. He's lost everything. He's frustrated. He's, He's not sure what God is doing. He just doesn't get it. And if he could have an audience with God, he would love to sit God down and say, tell me what I did wrong to deserve this. Tell me what are you up to. Have you abandoned me? And he would question God. And he wanted that kind of an audience with God. And then he gets it. And God comes to him in verse 38. And I'll I'll give you the Aaron version of some of these questions. God looks at Job and he says, hey Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand that. Job's like, um, oh, um, um, I don't know, God. Hey, Job, who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds in garment and wrapped them in thick darkness, when I fixed a limit for the oceans and set its doors in place, and I told the waves, this far you can go and no farther? Were you there, Job? Hey, Job, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Hey, Job, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Job comes face to face with God and God says, Are you questioning my control? Are are you questioning my ability? Where were you? When I made all that, there is Job. In the last chapter of the book of Job, Job responds to God in all these questions. And Job says, God, I know that you can do all things and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. And Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job did not have all of his questions answered. But he got a view of a God who is in control despite the chaos he felt. And a God who could still be trusted as good even though life was bad. Remember the proverb, God makes everything out for his own ends. Everything out. For his own ends. Let me give you just a few more examples of this. In your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17. And this passage in Acts gives us a f- quite a few examples of the things that God specifically is involved in in our life. And this is an interesting passage because it's Paul and he's speaking in front of this group of people that do not believe in Jesus, do not believe in the God that we follow from the Bible. They've made up all these other gods and they serve all these other gods. And Paul says, I want to come and explain to you how God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to fulfill all of these things. And he's explaining it to them in Acts chapter 17, start verse 24. Paul says this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself, listen, he himself gives life to all men and breath 
and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set before them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. Listen to this. Seeking and reaching for God and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Do you see what it says? It says that God gives to each one of us life. God is in control of our lives. God gives our days the numbers. He knows exactly how many we will live. And so in the midst of a, of a time in, in our life where we're questioning, how much longer do we have with our daughter, God? We don't know. And, and we're scared and we're trying to figure out what sense to make of it. God says, but, but I know. But I know. And yes, you're frightened, and yes, you're, you're worried, and your heart's broken for your daughter, but just trust me in this. I know. I give life. Nobody can take it away from me. He says, I give breath. Now, you could argue with that and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I just took that breath. I mean, I just inhaled. I just exhaled. God didn't make me do that. Ha, huh. so God didn't give me that breath. I just took it on my own. Yeah, you're right. You have the free will to breathe. You also have the free will to stop breathing. See how that works out for you. But who made your lungs to work? And who gave your body the ability that when you breathe, oxygen enter your bloodstream? I mean, how many things do you take for granted just in breathing? How many of you walked into this room and you said, whoa, I wonder if the oxygen to carbon dioxide ratio in this room is proper for me to make it through a whole service. You just took it for granted. You walked into the room and you just assumed, you just trusted that the atmosphere would be right for you to breathe. Didn't just happen though. This, this passage says some, some crazy things. It says God is the one who, who set you in the certain time you live in. You didn't just choose to be around in 2011. You could have been 1850s. You could have been the 1600s. But, but God chose this specific time for you to be here. It says he even chose where you live. And you're like, thanks a lot, God. You know, I'm about to foreclose on my house. You chose this. You can blame God on that one. But he chose. He chose the time and the season and the place that we're in. And you say, but I have free will. I made that decision. Yes, you did. Because you are 100% free to choose. But don't forget that at the same time, in some way that is beyond some of our understanding, God is still sovereign and in control. And he allowed those decisions to work right in with a plan that he's established. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 4. Let's finish the rest of it. We only read the first half. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Now, I need to go really quickly through this, but, but let me just tell you, this is what it says. The Lord works out even the wicked for a day of disaster, that, that, that even in his plan, yes, evil things happen, but never, never does that mean God caused evil to happen. That does not mean that God ever uses evil to accomplish his purposes. That does not mean that God gave my daughter cancer or your loved one cancer or some disease. It doesn't mean that God made you lose your job. 
or that God calls that bad person to abuse you does not mean that God is the author of evil. But in his plan and in his sovereign will, he allowed us the freedom to choose. And by giving to humans the free will to choose, he also gave us the free will to reject. God doesn't make any of us reject him or turn against him or sin. But in free will, we still do that. And there are consequences. Real quick, let me tell you a story. Um, A couple of examples of this. We have three kids, two girls that are eight and seven, and a a boy who's a five-year-old rocket. Uh, You've heard of the terrible twos. Well, he's the feisty fives. And we're trying to figure out how how to... raise him and all that kind of stuff without killing him first. But um, he, he likes to pick on his big sister, Olivia. And Olivia's eight and probably about twice his size. And, and over and over again, he'll just bother her to the point of she'll come to us, just tell Will to leave me alone. And I'll pull Will aside and I'm like, look at her. She could break you. She could squash you in a second. One day she's going to do that. And now this doesn't fit with the story, but I'll also tell her, stop complaining, just take him out. But <laughs> I don't want to hear you, Will's bothering me, just take him out sometimes. Forget I said that. That's another part of the story. But he'll bother her, and eventually there'll come that point where she's had enough, and she just MMA-style takes him out. And he comes around, oh, Olivia hurt me. She hurt me. I can't believe she did that. Well, what did you do? I was just picking on her. Exactly. I told you there's going to be consequences to your actions. Now, you could look at me, and you could say, you're an evil father. How did you allow that to happen in your home? You made her beat him up. But we don't assign responsibility like that, do we? Even to children. They had their own choice. And my role as father in my home is not to dictate every decision they make. My role is to try to prepare them to make wise decisions. And sometimes they don't. And five-year-olds get beat down for not doing that. And sometimes they make poor choices and they have to pay the consequences. But I didn't make him make that choice. Nor did I make her respond in that way. But sometimes when I'm trying to set up a, a home environment that's safe and loving, things still don't go according to plan. And you can't look at me and say, you failed as a father, you're evil, you willed that to happen. No, 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 no. You wouldn't do that to me. Why do we do that to God? as if we've made poor, cons- more, poor choices and suffered the consequences. The Bible even tells us that even our world, because of the fall in Genesis, is cursed. So there are horrible things that happen like cancer that are not a result of anybody doing anything wrong. They're just a part of a fallen world. And we can't look to God and say, it's your fault, you caused this to happen. Because we know this truth, God's in control. And even in the midst of the evil and the bad, he's still God. Even in the midst of the chaos, he's still in control. And even in the midst of the bad, he is still good. 
I don't have time to go in detail, but the best story of this is the example of Joseph in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 37 through 50, here's a man who was unjustly accused. He was abused. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was abandoned in prison. He was falsely thrown into that prison for, for something he didn't even do. And all this bad stuff happened. And at the end of the story, basically, he saved his brothers because of a horrible um, drought and famine in the land. And Joseph, through his wise administration skills, saved his brothers. Let me give you the verse in Genesis 50. Joseph summarizes this. His brothers are afraid that he's going to punish them and retaliate for the wrong that they've done him. Joseph looks at his brothers and says, you intended to harm me. You meant what you did for evil. That's what he's saying. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph said, you had an evil plan, you had a bad plan, but can I just tell you, in the midst of others' evil plans, in the midst of bad plans coming into our lives, God still has a good agenda, and God still has hope, and God still has a purpose. And like I said, he's still in control, he's still God, and he's still good. Back to Proverbs 16, one more verse. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, or a woman plans her course. But the Lord determines his steps. In your heart you plan the course. In the heart you plan your journey and your walk through life and what you're going to do and your dreams. You plan all of that. You have 100% responsibility. And at the same time, the Lord determines your steps. He's 100% in control. This is not a 50-50 proposition. If you'll do your 50%, God will come through and do his 50%. It's not God has more responsibility. If you do your 60, God will do his, um, if you do your 40, God will do his 60. Or if you do your 20, God will do his 80. No, no, it's 100% of the responsibility is on you to make the right choices, to live wisely. You are free and you are responsible for your actions. You choose well or you choose bad. You're responsible. And at the same time, God is still 100% in control. The things aren't antithetical. They're not contradictory. They're a paradox. And somehow in God's sovereignty and in God's wisdom, they work together. That God's control and God's sovereignty and our freedom to choose, they work hand in hand. They go together. And our hearts plans our courses, but, our, but the Lord establishes our steps, determines our steps. And we can't make it an either-or proposition. We can't say it's either this or it's that because the Bible doesn't do that. And, and can I just tell you, if you ran that out to its logical conclusion, the either-or, it's either this or it's that, ran out to the logical conclusion, both are frightening. Both are frightening. If you say, in reality, if everything is solely determined by God, if everything is fixed, then why should I choose anyway? Why should I do anything? I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. It's going to happen anyway. Why should I wash my hands? If God wanted my hands clean, he would clean them. Why should I study for that test, high schoolers? If God wanted me to ace that test, he would have just given me the knowledge. Boop. Why should we do anything? If it's all fixed, if it's all determined, there's no need to do anything. And if we take that approach, we will go to apathy and indifference and we will be bored and we will be cynical 
and we will throw our hands up in the air and waste our lives. But on the other hand, if we say, I'm the master of my own fate, everything rests in my hands, my decisions are mine, and I'm creating my own future, and everything, the weight of that responsibility rests squarely on my shoulders, and if you really believe that and understand that, you wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning. You would be paralyzed and say, what if I made the wrong decision? What what if I made wrong decision number one and it went to this and this and this? The butterfly effect of me making a bad decision would be boom, 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 boom. Not just for my own life, but for the course of history. If, If it all is dependent upon me making the right decision, oh my goodness, how can I make any decision? And we would be paralyzed by the responsibility. I mean, I think back to when I was a college student. I thought I had it all figured out. I mean, I I fell in love with this girl, and I thought, she's the one I'm going to marry. Oh, thank you, God, I didn't do that. And and I just thought everything, I just thought, I I thought I knew. And and now looking back, I'm thinking, I was so stupid. I mean, at 20 years old, maybe I knew a third of the things that I was supposed to know. What if I would have had my own way? How would my life look different right now? And here I sit at 36 years old, and can I just tell you, I do not have it all figured out. And I actually, maybe for the first time in my life, in this season of life, I'm relieved to realize I don't have it all figured out. Proverbs 20, verse 24 says this, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Can I just be honest? I'll raise my hand and say, I'm the first one that would say, I don't understand my life right now. Right now, my life makes no sense to me. And I can't figure out what God's up to. And I'm telling you, I'm asking him a lot. God, what are you up to? What are you doing? I don't, I, I, I don't get it, God. I don't understand my own way. But there's such a comfort to know that that's okay. Your steps are directed by the Lord. Maybe you're here and you would say, I'm with you. I I don't know what to do in life. And I've been looking for direction and, and I'm so worried. And I'm so consumed with finding the right thing to do. I just gotta know. Would you cling to this verse today that says, your steps are directed by the Lord. So how can you understand your own way? It's not always going to make sense, but guess what? It's not always about life making sense. There's faith in the midst of the journey to say, God, even when it doesn't make sense, I still trust you. I still follow you. So you are free, according to scriptures, and responsible for your every decision. So choose wisely. God's given you the freedom to choose. And with that freedom, he gives you the ability and the opportunity to seek after him. To pray, to read his scripture, to to go after him and to, to learn, to follow after him. He gives you the free will to choose that. And he'll give you the wisdom to know what to do. So I just have to ask you today, is there a decision that you need to make? 
Is there something you've been putting off and say, well, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. That maybe God would say, no, today, just realize you're free. Just choose. Choose. But at the same time, God is 100% sovereign and control over everything. He's working everything to his own ends. And maybe today, you've went through a season where you've been paralyzed by fear. Maybe you struggled in a similar way to me towards hopelessness. And you just need to realize surrendering and letting go to a sovereign God. Acknowledging, I don't have it all figured out, so I'm not going to act like I do. And surrendering to say, God, I don't understand, but still I trust. My life is in chaos, God, but I still acknowledge you are in control. My life seems bad, but God, I'm going to say you are still good. So is there something you need to surrender? Is there pride? Is there plans that you've been holding on to so tightly and God says, release them to me? You see, if the thought of God being in control of your life terrifies you, then you don't understand the God I'm talking about. If you think, I don't want him to be in control. I want to be in control of my own life. I want to make my decisions, and, and I know what's best for me. I want to make the call. If that's how you approach God, can I just say, you don't understand the God of the Bible. Because if you understood the God of the Bible, you would know, you would hear from Scripture, he is good. And he is working out everything for his glory and for your good. And you can trust him and know that his plans for you are plans to give you a hope and a future. He's not out to get you. He's out to give you life. And the Bible tells us that everything that comes our way, Romans eight twenty eight, we know that all things God works together for good. Do you get that? All things, everything that happens, God works for good to those who love him who have been called according to his purpose do you love him have you made that choice are you following after him seeking him if so here's the promise everything in your life every detail of your life God is sovereignly in control of and even if you've made a mistake and made some bad decisions that's okay God is still in control don't give up God will work out everything in your life everything can you just say that with me everything everything for your good and his glory Father in heaven, we pray today thanking you for the powerful truth of your word. Thanking you, God, that you have in your wisdom giving us, given us the ability to choose to have free will, to have a say-so, to be partners with you in a sense of, of your kingdom work on earth. But God, at the same time, it's not a, it's not a responsibility that, that would weigh us down. It sets us free, God, to be who we really are because you are still sovereign. You are still in control. And so, God, I pray for that man or woman who's here today and they wrestle with this idea of saying, but, but what if I make the wrong decision? And they feel the worry and they feel the, the pain of the, being paralyzed to make a decision. God, today that they would know the freedom that comes from knowing you the hope that comes from knowing you. 
They don't have to be plagued with worry. But they can seek you and find you. And I pray for the person today that they hear something like this and they, they almost think, well, well, what good is it anyway if I do anything? God, that they would not waste their life, but they would understand you are still 100% in control and they are 100% responsible. And today, God, I pray, today I pray that they would understand that trusting you, believing in you is the foundation for real life and real choices and real faith. God, you work everything for good. You work everything for good. So we stand on your promises. We stand on the truth. And that no matter what we're going through, no matter where we are today, we stand on the fact that you work all things together for our good. God, we pray, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.